Christina and Jackie and we are Jackstina Jack coaches off the cuff. Today we are going to start something that we have not done yet before on this podcast and that is um, start a series um, of three topics that are kind of like subcategories under one major category. Yeah, that's what a series is. Yes, subcategories. Yeah, mm-hmm. Defining yep. that. Yes. Good. <laughs> it's our effort to try to keep our podcast short because we have a lot of things to say about this topic. So breaking it into three helps us to um, extend the conversation a little bit. And it helps to keep us focused, maybe. Mm-hmm. So we're not defining we'll random it. words. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right. So uh, without further ado, we mm-hmm. are starting a series on compassion. Um, the first portion that we kind of want to talk about is uh, essentially making a case for compassion and why this is valuable and um, necessary to not only the work that we do, but to our um, overall health and happiness. Yeah, I think we think of compassion is necessary for our work with others, like as if we're doing something for other people. But in Onward, how Elena kind of lays it out for us at the beginning, it's not even so much about what it allows for other people to feel, but what it provides for us, that it's actually a tool for our own resiliency. Um, so you, it's almost, you can be selfish with your compassion because giving compassion helps you as well. Absolutely. It definitely is. A, it it's, serves both people. Yes. serves both parties. So when we jump into this, we want to share the little opening um, vignette that Elena gives us. And we are still working in Onward by Elena Aguilar. Um, this will continue to be a resource that we draw on as we move through the rest of the school year and probably next year, too, <laughs> to be truthful. Um, but you want to go ahead and talk a little bit about this vignette that she opens up this um, compassion chapter on? Yes, she starts saying it's the first week back after winter break. How yeah. kindly. Um, and she's walking through the hallway of a school where she was a, a coach to some of the leaders there on campus. And she um, pauses and has this conversation with one of the leaders. I think she's a department chair, English department chair, yes. Um, and so she kind of asks her how things were going. And she, the person immediately kind of goes into um, a negative headspace and says, I had those two weeks off. I felt really rested. I was excited to come back. And boom, here we are two days in. And I already can see how my admin's incompetence is creating so much trouble for me. Y'all, she said it. She said my admin's incompetence. Uh, so yes. mm-hmm. that's not us judging here. That's in the book. <laughs> I quote. quote. I quote. <laughs> Um, and Elena, I love it when she gives us some insight to her own thinking because I always think she has the right words always. Um, and she actually here talks about how she had to pause and decide how to respond to that comment because she did care about this person personally and the problems that she was having and in some ways wanted to just kind of give her a hug and say, I'm here for you. But she also wanted to challenge the thinking because Elena understood that that type of thinking was going to be more detrimental to this person in the long run than just giving her some comfort. So she challenges her with the question, do you want to shift your perspective on your administrators? I wonder <laughs> I wonder what sometimes I would have said had that question been asked to me in that moment. I'm heated, I'm mm-hmm. I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I am overwhelmed, I may be sad. Um, and then that's the question, like, wait a second, do I want to shift my perspective? Mm, and you might have to that may have had to have been something I walked away and pondered. And Let came me get back, back to you. To you. <laughs> yeah. Um, thankfully, Elena had already worked with this person, uh-huh. clearly, because it says that she, um, after hearing that question, she kind of nods and agrees that, yes, she would like to do that. Um, I like that Elena doesn't debate the truthfulness of the person's complaints. It's not a matter of if she's right or not right or how much truth is there. 
because none of that is within their control. None of that is something that they can do something directly about. However, your own perspective about a problem or a person is absolutely something you can control. So she redirects her back to that. Um, and she gives her this kind of reminder. She says, consider everyone is doing the best they can based on their knowledge, skills, and experiences. They are making the best choices available to them. And then the girl, Sandra, who's responding, responds kind of how I think you and I might. Mm -hmm. She says, well, that's not good enough. <laughs> I just deserve more. Exactly. So mm -hmm. she's coming from a place of concern about her students, which we can all relate to. But Elena doesn't let her stay there. So she stops and she says, yes, and everyone, excuse me, everyone is doing the best they can. This reminder that no one comes to work thinking, I'm only going to do this halfway. I don't really care about the outcome. I'm not really in that. That every person is coming with the best version of who they are in that moment. You say that phrasing quite a bit. The best version of who you are today. You brought your best mm -hmm. self with you to work today. Um, and that best self may have been better yesterday or it may be better tomorrow, um, but we are who we are in this moment and we're doing the best that we can given the circumstances. And sometimes it's conditions, sometimes it's knowledge base um, or skill set even, but I brought the best version of me that I had. There, there's no other version of me I left at home. <laughs> <laughs> no, darn. No, no sorry, no, this, this is it, it. Jackie, this sorry. Is all we got. Oh, oh. mention about me. <laughs> you. So she has that reminder, and she then asks her, does this change the way you're thinking? Like, how does this make you feel? Or how does thinking in this way make you feel about your admin? And I don't think Sandra likes it, but she says, it does make me feel a little better. Like, why is that working that way? Um, and that's where she kind of goes into this idea of compassion, that we are wired for comp compassion, that our bodies and our brains have a natural need to feel connected to each other, and compassion is one of the best ways we can kind of strengthen that connection. I like this little vignette because it reminds me of the first time that I went to Pete Hall training. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that all of when we have these intersections, these reminders that happen, it makes it just reinforces some of the teachings that I have absorbed. Um, but Pete Hall was talking about the continuum of teachers, the teacher continuum, mm -hmm. and how we grow and develop. And he made this comment about not being angry at a baby because the baby can't walk. Mm -hmm. That we don't look at the baby and like yell at the two-month-old baby for not walking. We acknowledge that they're in the midst of this growth cycle and that the first thing is um, to roll, then to hold your head up, then to sit up, then to crawl, and that there are these stages that we go through. And I feel like that's kind of a similar piece here that when we ask this like compassion piece, when we think about what are the skills that this person has, where, where are they in this moment, um, when I think about what perception do I want to have of them, and I remember that we are all still growing and learning and that they are where they are, they're bringing the best version of them just like that baby, um, that we just, we have some grace in mm -hmm. that space um, to take a breath and rethink and just refocus our attentions. I like that as well. That idea that you, the label, giving them grace to have space to be in that moment however they are. And you, we do that for ourselves and want that, I think, in return from people. Like, oh, well, let me explain the situation and then you'll understand why mm -hmm. I chose that decision or made that action. But sometimes when we're thinking upwards to bosses or admin, we don't pause and give that, that same grace to say there might be things in the situation that I'm unaware of that I don't know about that may be causing them to act this way um, rather than just jumping to um, maybe a more negative conclusion. Well, and it's really difficult to have a brand 
brand new principal who is the first time they're ever been a, they've ever been a principal. Learning on the job. And they're <laughs> learning on the job. And you're like, well, but my veteran principal who had 13 years in at this campus knew how to do this. Right. It's really difficult when we have that comparison. That comparison can sometimes squash compassion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes it almost impossible for us to see and to acknowledge where this person is coming from and the benefits that they're going to bring to this situation may not come today. They may not come right in this moment, and that's okay. Because they bring other things that maybe the veteran didn't bring, a different type of perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Elena then moves into, do you want to do this definition of terms conversation? Sure. Okay. I really like this definition of terms. Um, I, I sometimes don't slow down enough to think about what the word, what words exactly always mean. I did start off by defining series for everyone, so <laughs> I feel like this is right up thematically alley. right up my alley today. So there are four terms that we can get a little bit confused by that kind of um, get gray and fuzzy. The four terms that are centered on this idea of compassion, it starts actually with pity. And pity is a feeling that can show a great amount of emotional distance from a situation. Um, Sometimes pity comes off as being condescending or even dehumanizing because I am pulling away so far from this situation that emotional distance does not allow me to imagine what it's like to be in that person's shoes. I'm very far from them. It's Mm -hmm. condescending. Sympathy is when I care for someone. I see their their suffering, but I still maintain some emotional distance. There are times in my life where I have known, like, if I really put myself in your shoes, I am going to be an emotional wreck. Mm -hmm. And so I can feel for you, but I can't feel what you're going through. I need to provide a little bit of distance in order to save myself, okay? So sympathy, there's still an amount of distance here, but it doesn't have that negative connotation, I don't feel. I noticed when you were talking that she distinguishes in pity, you're talking about the suffering. So you focus on Mm -hmm. the the trouble, the suffering, the stress. But on sympathy, you've switched, and now it's I care for someone who is suffering. Human comes first. The person comes first, and they're in a state of suffering. It's not just that I'm looking at their state. Their the circumstance alone. only. I had noticed that person. before when I read. So no, that's a good. Thank com- you for recapping. That's a good distinction. <laughs> the next one is empathy. This is when you put yourself in someone else's shoes. You feel what what they are feeling, um, and it puts you in this position to understand their perspective. So now you really understand. You feel and you're kind of grappling with that. But compassion is empathy in action. So that compassion piece, I've never really thought about it in that way, but it really, um, it forwards me into doing something to help somebody else. Um, I am moved to take action to relieve someone else's suffering. You may have experienced this suffering through your empathy, and action is what distinguishes compassion from empathy. So to say, I sympathize with your situation, I see where you're coming from. I empathize. I feel where you are. Mm -hmm. And now to take it out of just the feeling and really move it into something tangible is um, what make it is the definition of compassion. And she doesn't say it here, but feeling like I know Elena a little bit because I love her. So um, I think when she's talking about action, it's not that you take on the problem and solve the problem for that person. That's not the action she's kind of encouraging. It's that because you are not directly in the situation, you are somewhat on the outside, you can help guide that person to action, whether it's through reflection and questioning, helping them get a better perspective or mindset. But it's not that you solve problem, but that you help the person get to a place of uh, comfort or peace of about the situation. And that may even be as something as simple as Elena was saying in her little vignette of a hug. 
Mm-hmm. That those are action, those action items, the things that we do as a result of the feelings that we recognize mm-hmm. is compassion, showing compassion for someone. So um, I want to kind of jump in, into what compassion offers us. Like, what does this do for us? So the um, the first thing that compassion does for us is uh, it makes us healthier and happier. I mentioned this early on in uh, the earlier in the podcast, Um, but here Elena actually outlines um, that having compassion, really um, giving ourselves time to feel those emotions and act out, um, it uh, slows our heart rate, our stress hormones decrease, our immune response strengthens, and it reduces the risk of heart disease. It is literally preventative Mm -hmm. medicine. Compassion is literally preventative medicine. Um, it also opens us up so that we are wandering, our minds are not wandering so much and lingering so much in the negativity. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways, compassion helps us find the bright spots, mm-hmm. which is what we had talked about um, in our last episode uh, about how do I really retrain my brain, yeah. that taking that moment to have that compassion and filter um, and experience through those, do I want to change my perspective? kind of a lens, um, that that can help me to retrain my brain to focus on the bright spots. I keep coming back to those term definitions. If you stay in empathy and you only feel what they feel, then the both of you are just feeling terrible about the situation. (laughs) No. Um, But if you move to the compassion part and you attach the action to it, that allows you to see a bright spot, allows you to move forward in some way. So I could see where that would reduce your stress levels, reduce those hormones that are feeling or bringing that sense of tension to you because you feel like I'm moving forward in some, some direction positive direction. Sure. Next one up, oh, collaboration. We already kind of were in that one. That it primes your brain for um, looking for the bright spots, being able to work together better. <laughs> Our next title, Compassion Makes Difficult Relationships, parentheses, a tiny bit easier. <laughs> I really love this section. I think that it is um, the little description that she gets. Can I kind of yes. jot in? Mm-hmm. So um, let's say another one of your students is a challenging person. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what that would be? Have you had the parent that emails you six times a week and your teaching is never good enough and then they tell you how your teaching is never good enough and then they end the email by saying, I'm not trying to bash your teaching. You know, don't you just want to like, don't take it personally. <laughs> and I'm just like, woman. Well, anyway, so it's, it's always it's always been the mom for me. But I love this portion that um, Elena adds where she says, when I activate compassion for a parent who yells at me, I recognize her fear and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I have this memory of um, talking with a parent whose child had failed the star test multiple times. Mm-hmm. And she's here for this meeting about how if your child doesn't pass, he can't graduate. And um, it, I mean, which is a terrible meeting to host, to attend. It's just terrible all around. But I remember this very angry mother and just looking at her and saying, you must be really scared. Mm. And she cried. And so it was this like, we by saying, by acknowledging that that yelling, that difficult part of her personality was coming out as a result of, you're really scared. You must be really scared because I was scared for that kid, Mm -hmm. that it really helped us to get to this point where none of us were happy still. Did not make the situation better in that moment necessarily or for that child. Mm -hmm. There was still hard work to be done, but it made um, our conversation at that meeting more productive Mm -hmm. for me to have said, you must be really, really worried. This This is scary. 
she talks about in that section that when you're able to find a point of connection, she describes it as a rickety bridge of connection. And I think of that image that you just, like what you just described, that image makes a lot of sense. Like on the surface, maybe not a lot of connection between the two of you, especially in that moment, the way that she's coming at you. But that tiny, that one little sentence made that one little bridge that allowed her to be vulnerable and open to you, which helped, like you said, further that conversation in the moment. So it doesn't always make um, everything easier, but a tiny bit easier, mm -hmm. um, those difficult relationships. Okay, last one. Compassion strengthens communities. Um, at the beginning, she talks about that when you are in a difficult situation, some way that you're suffering in the moment, feeling unmotivated, stressed about how much prep you have upcoming, or you have a cold, pause and think about all the other people who must be going through a similar situation. The word compassion literally means suffering with. When, mm. when we remind ourselves that our suffering is not separate from the suffering of others, we lessen our individual pain and remind ourselves we're not alone. I loved that. <laughs> this reminder that um, there are teachers all over our district feeling what you're feeling today. Teachers all over the state, the country. I mean, bigger. We could go bigger. World, galaxy. We'll stop there. Space is a thing <laughs> in my house. But when you start to think about all the people who are feeling that too, then you feel not so alone, and it's a collective group that we are in this together, and we can uh, work through this together. And that we all bear a burden. Mm -hmm. um, even though we look at people and sometimes we see, like, you have it all together. <laughs> Jackie? <laughs> no. <laughs> Please, Jackie Lloyd, you have it all together. And we, we do, not al do not always... Um, have the opportunity to see what others are going through, but to know that they are um, is something that can be very powerful for us and how we view um, the people that we work with, um, including our students and our administrators and our first year principals and our teammates. So, All of this. <laughs> um, on that note, we are going to uh, come back uh, in two weeks and continue our conversation about compassion. And we'll talk a little bit about how to share a little compassion with yourself. Oh, yeah. Um, we need it, too. <laughs> and we do, we do need it, too. Trust me. So um, we uh, look forward to continuing this conversation then. And we are Jack Stina, Coaches of the Cuff.